Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. This isn't about your company. This is about you and your transformation, your business, the one you're starting today may or may not survive in the next five years. But I, you, as a direct result of the travails and the victories and all the hardship that you will go through and the near misses and the, the wins, all that kind of stuff, you will be transformed in the process. And that is the ultimate outcome. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with Dr. Dwayne Varan of Media Science and with Stefan Hedebrandt of Dream Data, then do go check them out, but stay here first and listen to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Kurian Tharakan, the founder of the sales and marketing strategy firm, Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors, and a 27-year veteran of the sales and marketing industry. He has consulted for companies in numerous sectors. Kurian is also the author of the Amazon bestseller, The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell, which details how anyone can move people and mountains with the power of of story. In our conversation today, Kurian talked to me about what the seven essential stories are that charismatic leaders tell. He described how great leaders transform their people. And we talked about entrepreneurship as a journey of personal growth and learning. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Kurian Tharakan. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Edmonton, Alberta in Canada, Kurian Tharakan, who's the founder of Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors, and also he's the author of a book called The Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Kurian. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Jürgen, thanks for having me on. My first in Australia. Excellent. Well, that's uh, that's a privilege then to to be your first. Now, I like to ask my guests um, before we really get started on their areas of expertise. I like to ask, what's the impact you're making in the world? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, what I'm hoping to do. My my ex wife now, 
<laughs> she and I still have a company together. We do a lot of things together still. Uh, she just lives three floors above me in my condo as well, right? So we run each other quite a bit. But uh, we sponsor, uh, uh, we've sponsored for years a prize in entrepreneurship at various universities uh, in, uh, in the region here. And it's, uh, it's a pitch competition. It's still running. And uh, I love nothing better than to inspire young entrepreneurs uh, to move forward with their ideas. And uh, that is, I think, you know, if there was a legacy that I would want people to remember me as is that uh, I inspired young entrepreneurs. I help companies get on their feet and I help companies scale. So it's about getting getting the entire spirit of that entrepreneur alive. And what I tell young entrepreneurs especially is that when they're starting with their first company, this isn't about your business. This is about you. And so what we want to do is to make you come alive, give you the skills, give you the knowledge so that you can be successful. Your business may or may not be the one you eventually, you know, do great things with, the current one you're pursuing, but you can become great in the process. And that's ultimately what I would like my legacy to be, to be inspired around. Mm, that's a fantastic message that, you know, it's not about this one business it's about you and your success and your journey and that kind of leads us into i mean there's a lot of prompts there that lead us into the conversation about storytelling and being a charismatic leader um, one of the things you said there was selling ideas where i'm pretty sure you'll have a lot to tell us about storytelling in that context and also the idea of it being a journey, a, a personal journey, and the first business may not be the one that achieves great things, but the you as a person will achieve great things. So I love love all that. So let's let's dig into that um, idea of charismatic leaders and storytelling. So first of all, um, I mean we all have leaders that we follow simply because we we really like them. We get on well with them. They inspire us. And it seems to be effortless in the way they do this. So what do you think are the key attributes of, of these leaders that are so charismatic that will do anything for them and it just doesn't seem to be hard work for them to get us to follow them? The, the ultimate thing is about the transformation of the people that they are in front of. The transformation of the people to believe in themselves and their mission and how they come alive in the presence of this charismatic leaders. Ultimately, it is about the personal uh, transformation, how they light up, how they energize, how they are then able to infect in a good way, virally infect other people with that enthusiasm. And uh, if you take a look at great religions, often great religions have very charismatic leaders behind them, uh, purportedly divinely inspired. Right. But ultimately, they can only reach so many people on their own. They have to count on their adherence to reach in exponential fashion uh, throughout uh, throughout the world. And if you think about Christianity, for example, uh, Christianity, uh, Islam, Judaism. Well, Judaism is a uh, there's 14 million uh, Jews in the world today. There's 2.1 billion Christians and I think about 1.8 billion Muslims. Now, they're all Abrahamic religions. Uh, they uh, follow the, the same uh, father in Abraham, right? But why is it that two religions just completely outshot uh, the, the originating religion? Why is that? How is that possible? 
And I believe it's because of the charisma of uh, very, very prominent leaders. You know, you can talk about Jesus Christ or you can talk about uh, the prophet Muhammad. And uh, ultimately, it's about then them making their people come alive and they themselves, their people, making other people come alive. Mm -hmm. And so if we take a look at marketing, I'm a marketing consultant. And uh, one of my best um, quotes uh, is from a one of the earliest marketing consultants for Apple Computer. And his name is Regis McKenna. And Regis said uh, that great marketing takes its cues from great religion. And so mm. everything that you need to, uh, to bake into great religion to proselytize and bring more people to attend exponentially are very much the same things that great marketing also has to follow. Yeah, yeah. I, there's something there that you said that I think is is really important. And um, you know, we, we talk uh, talk about transformational marketing, and you you use the word transformation there, transforming. So great leaders transform their people, and and in the example of religion, of course, it's not one person that's converted the billions to that particular religion to follow that cause. It's um, it's one person has inspired maybe hundreds or maybe thousands. And then, of course, they've inspired thousands in turn as well. So that's how it's of grown. True believers. Hmm. Doesn't, isn't that what uh, every brand wants? True yeah. believers, not just in the product, but in the brand itself, its mission, vision, uh, its ethos, its character. And uh, that those true believers are what give the brand value, because without those believers, you have nothing. Mm. And yeah, you, know, you talked about a lot of things there in terms of the belief. So it's not just believing in the product or the service. Um, and and again, if we take religion as as a model for this, then you know the foundation of all the religions pretty well are the scriptures that that underpin that religion and those yeah. scriptures are a whole set of stories that um, highlight the principles the beliefs that they have right so yeah. tell us a little bit in terms of of marketing what are the what are the seven key stories that a, that a charismatic leader does tell give us a bit of a highlight because i uh took to heart uh regis mckenna's uh, insight, you know, back in the 70s when he was working with uh, Steve Jobs, uh, it really influenced uh, the research of my book, which is the seven essential stories charismatic leaders tell. And uh, the seven stories uh, very briefly are number one is creation and origin. How did this begin? Number mm -hmm. two is going to be about our identity, beliefs and values. What are our, our highest ideals and principles? What, what must we never violate? What must we always adhere to? Uh, story number three is the big idea. What is that central organizing principle that guides everything else? And it doesn't have to be just one idea, but it could be a series of big ideas. Uh, story number four is the enemy we face. And the enemy we face is not just uh, somebody. It doesn't have to be an individual. Uh, right now, the enemy that the United States is facing is Hurricane Ida. Hmm. And it's uh, barreling uh, straight into the Florida coast, Louisiana coast. You know, and uh, that is the uh, the enemy we face. But it can also be a challenge to overcome. We may want to overcome childhood poverty, uh, overcome uh, adult illiteracy. So there's a variety of different things that we can uh, label as the enemy. But ultimately, we need something to polarize our before and after state. Here we are today, 
this is where we want to get to. And what is the transformation in between? Hmm. Story number five is uh, the mighty winds. And uh, the mighty winds in this context is all about uh, the big macro macro trends that are present uh, in the environment. That uh, And what I say is all businesses, organizations are sailing ships. Hmm. Sailing ships, by definition, need wind uh, to power their sails. But most organizations, uh, their founders, uh, go out, build the big boat without ever ascertaining the availability, power, or even direction of the wind. Now, the problem with that is if you are counter to these macro trends, you may have your entire ship capsized before it even starts. It may be just bobbing along the water without even any wind to power it, or the wind may be going the wrong direction. And so the winds in this case are are basically things like uh, societal trends, technological, environmental, uh, economic trends, political and legislative trends. And you must understand where these trends are heading. Uh, one of the clearest things that has happened in the past 50 years uh, has been the advent of the of the internet, uh, which has caused absolute tidal waves of destruction in its past and tsunamis of opportunity. And so a company like uh, Amazon could not exist without the advent of a little thing called DARPANET in 1969, which connected three computer, three uh, university computers. But that was the genesis, a military project at that time to connect these universities. That was the genesis uh, of the found, uh, foundation to uh, lay in the World Wide Web by 1994, which allowed all these multi-billion dollar fortunes uh, to take place. So you must be on trend. So the last thing you want to be doing right now, I think, you know, is uh, I would be very hesitant to start a small town newspaper right now. <laughs> right. Uh, but that was probably the thing to do in the 1920s and 1930s. Uh, story six is the journey we must undertake. Now, the previous five stories are like the left hand side of the equation. And if those stories are believable. If I am inspired by those stories, if your people have been given a vision of what is possible, the potential of what the future holds, then the equation says, well, this is the journey we must undertake then. This is where we are today, and this is the journey we must undertake. So it's the right-hand side of that equation. And finally, uh, story number seven is the why we will win story. And it's a, it's a meta-narrative, which combines the previous six stories in a sing into a single, more succinct telling but with the addition of what I call keystone elements. And keystones guarantee the win. They guarantee the win. And uh, keystones throughout history, there's hundreds of them, but some very common ones would be things like uh, God is with us, superior technology, superior people, superior strategy, and it guarantees the win. So here's the stories. This is the journey we must undertake. And here is the magic incantation or the magic, you know, uh, what is it, support that we're going to get through divine intervention, whatever it is that is going to guarantee the win and allow our journey to come to full fruition. Hmm. Yeah, well, there's a lot lot there to unpack, but I, I, I particularly love the mighty winds metaphor, and I've heard you talking about that before, and, um, you know, <laughs> I'll have to bring that up. Uh, there's lots of conversation going on here where, um, you know, government is supporting initiatives to rein in big tech. And a lot of it just doesn't make any sense unless you look at it through the lens of protecting the traditional, and I won't name the name, but you'll know who it is, uh, the traditional old media. Uh, and um, 
you know, and this uh, one so multi, multi multi billionaire we're talking about. Uh, yes, yes, and uh, obviously yes. obviously has a lot of influence with government. So so to me that that's a classic example of this. Um, okay, we've we've got this huge sailing ship. It's been actually sailing very well for a long long time. The winds changed. Um, so, but let's just kind of try to um, force our way through this storm <laughs> rather yeah. than then adapt to the change in wind. And, and wind, you know, we can also talk about the way the water courses, right? And you know what happens mm. with uh, dammed up water. Uh, it, the pressure is, not, is going to be unrelenting. That dam has to be continually fortified, you know, in order to do that. And, you know, most dams are not built for a thousand year cycles. They're built yeah. for a hundred, 200 year cycles, right? And uh, you cannot stop uh, these macro trends uh, for any great length of time. Mm. All right. Now, you talked also about, um, you know, the, the creation story and then the values and culture. So to me, in a way, that's, that's kind of the foundation where you start with. So particularly if it's a small business and you're still growing and you're wanting to bring new people on board, how do you... Um, bring a creation story to life, first of all, and how do you use that to impact culture so that you're building a culture that is actually in alignment with the founder's personal values and, and the values of you know, their ideal or dream audience or dream clients? Sure. The, uh, in fact, the first half of the book is all about culture. Hmm. What I say is that uh, culture is the always-on operating system that guides behavior even when there's no one around to reward or punish that behavior. Hmm. People just know what to do. Uh, and culture's most simplest definition is the knowledge used to survive and thrive in an environment. And I got that from a cultural anthropology class 40 years ago, 35 years ago, something like that. And I thought that was a very succinct definition of that. And culture is something that exists uh, whether or not you want it to. Anytime uh, two people get together, there is a culture shared with them. Even hermits have cultures, you know, the culture, right? You know, there's a culture associated with it. It's a, it's a way to survive and thrive uh, in their environment. Now, what culture does, the seven pillars to culture, primary pillars to culture. And what you're trying to do is to infuse those seven primary pillars of culture with the seven stories to make it come alive. That's the whole mm. thing. So if you walk into a lot of places, I remember walking to a very sad uh, uh, office, uh, you know, about 20 years ago, and the place was silent, absolutely silent. That was part of the culture. Because, mm. you know, if you were yapping, you were probably not working. <laughs> and, I was, and I was thinking, what the heck is going on? I'd hate to work in. I'm certainly not that kind of individual. And I remember a great quote, uh, you know, uh, from, from a famous individual. I wish I remember what his name was now. There is very little progress in a place where there is no laughter. Hmm. And, uh, it, you know, it's a, it, but that was part of the culture. And culture is neither uh, here nor there, uh, right or wrong. It is simply the operating system. And the only question is, is the operating system one of uh, happenstance and it's just inherited or is it one of hmm. deliberate engineering? And, those are, and the, ultimate, uh, the ultimate question about culture is it, is it giving you the results you want it to? And so the central part of culture is, of course, values. And are the values allowing each of those people in that culture to come alive and know what they have to do in the absence of someone telling them what to do? So when you go through the uh, aspect of culture, and I'll give you the seven pillars of culture if we, if we can do that. The very mm -hmm. first one is social organization. 
Uh, is this a flat organization? Is it a hierarchical one? Second one is uh, language and writing, second pillar. Uh, what is the form of language that we use? Uh, how do we write? What's the communication methods? Uh, we have a company up here in uh, Canada, just a few miles away from me in my city of Edmonton, uh, called Champion Pet Foods. And I did some consulting with them and they make human grade dog food and they ship all over the world, human grade. And they deliberately, to the point where they corrected me a few times uh, as I'm facilitating with them, they do not call their production facilities factories. They call their production facilities kitchens. And it's a deliberate choice of words, right? Because kitchens are where you produce food. Factories are where you produce a product. And they do not produce a product. They produce a human-grade pet food produced in a kitchen. Uh, pillar three is religion. And religion is simply what, a variety of things to religion. But uh, at the core is, what do you worship? You know, what do you worship? How do you worship? Uh, what are the uh, principles, tenets? of the organization uh, that is devoted to this worship. And the worship here in this case is you're not worshiping the boss. That's a bad cult. Mm -hmm. Worship here is in this context, organizations and companies, it is about the values that you hold dear, yeah. the highest order principles that you aspire to and you uphold. What you must do and what, might, what you must never do. And that creates uh, the basis of the religion. Uh, Pillar four is all about the forms of government. Uh, is this a is this a autocracy? Uh, you know, is this a despotic regime or is it a democracy or is something in between? You know, how do decisions get made here? And as long as people know how decisions get made and it's consistent about that, and all these pillars have to be consistent, consistently applied, then they know whether they can contribute to it and what way to contribute to it. Pillar five is all about economic systems. How do we create value? What are the inputs? What's the value creation process? What are the outputs? Uh, who are the participants in that ecosystem? Uh, how do we grow? How do we maintain? Uh, all these different types of things that allow us to understand our place in the overall economic ecosystem. Pillar six is all about the arts. And the arts in this case is about taking your core utility value of whatever you produce, whatever that is, and lifting it to the level of an art. And one of my favorite an analogies for this is simply if you go to a street vendor and I don't know what it's like in, uh, in Australia, you probably have these as well, but you have a hot dog vendor. So, you know, hot dog, sausage were vendors. You must have hot dogs. No. Mm, yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay, good. I haven't, I've been meaning to get down to Australia. haven't done it yet. But you have a hot dog vendor there. And, you know, here you can buy a hot dog for five bucks and it comes with a little bun. You put a little relish on it and you eat it and you're gone, right? It, it. It's, it's an experience. That is a form of core utility value. Now, imagine that same hot dog in the hands of a five-star Michelin chef. Hmm. What are you going to get? It could be the same inputs, but I almost guarantee that in the hands of somebody that's an artist at a five-star Michelin level, it is going to be at a luxury level. It is going to be uh, fit for a gourmand. And that's the difference uh, with an Apple example, iPhones, when the iPhones came out, it made every Nokia-like phones look like a brick. Hmm. You know, with the aesthetic design of the iPhone and the way the operating system was so fluid and it became a status symbol. And as a result, people lusted after it. Hmm. This is not just a phone anymore. Yeah, that's it right. It is the level of an art. And pillar number seven is simply customs and traditions. 
and customs of traditions are in large part to reinforce the value systems, the belief systems of your culture. Uh, and it can be everything from the Monday morning sales meeting, the 10 a.m. coffee clutch that everybody goes to. Very often it's about who's included in that and who's not included in that. Mm. You know, there's a variety of things. Uh, do you get the holidays off? You know, retailers are very loath to give their staff holidays off the middle of Christmas and Black Friday, Cyber Monday season. Uh, we had one of our staff, I run a digital marketing agency here with a couple of my partners. And uh, one of our staff who who should have known better took Cyber Monday off a couple of weeks, years ago. And we're thinking, where did we go wrong? You know, like this is just, it's not, we shouldn't have to say this. Hmm. <laughs> that you can't do that, right? But he did. And uh, oh, yeah, I told you guys. <laughs> it's one of those kind of things. But those seven pillars now, you infuse them with the seven stories. And that's how you make your organization, your company come alive. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for really digging into that. The, the pillars, seven pillars of culture. And there's, there's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of gold in that. And some of those examples are, you know, the manifestation of that. I mean, I remember um, the uh, must have been two editions ago, iPhone came out and I happened to be in Sydney um, for a workshop on the day that the iPhone came out and um, we walked from the hotel to the convention centre at about... 6.30 in the morning because it was an early morning registration on the first day. And I thought, what are all these people doing out on the street this early in the morning? And they're all queued up. They were queued up for several blocks and and it went around the block and I got to the end of the queue, but it wasn't actually the end of the queue because it went to the left of where I was going back up the next street and probably to the left at the next intersection as well. And as we got to the front, I realized, oh, there's an Apple store. And, and you know, the Apple store opened at nine. This was 6.30 in the morning. People, thousands of people were queued up literally. Um, so that that's kind of the impact it has. So what you witness there, Jürgen, is the adherence to the cult of Apple. Hmm. And cult is just short for culture. Yeah. Right? And so the adherence which implies religion hmm. to the cult of Apple. Now, how, how did they create that? They, they created that over 40 plus years. And, you know, those, those uh, round the block lineups have died down a little bit. During the days of, of uh, the demigod, Steve Jobs, hmm. you know, they, they were, you know, fanatical zealots, zealots uh, uh, about that lineup, fanatical about it. Isn't that what every brand wants? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's just, uh, you know, amazing demand for the new product, whether you need it or not, almost. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Now, coming back to something you said earlier, and it was, um, it reminded me that if, you know, you talked about coming into this environment where nobody was speaking and you felt that this, this wouldn't be a place I'd be happy at, um, Building a culture very consciously allows you to actually bring people on board that are a really good match for that culture. So it becomes self-sustaining, doesn't it? And and the people who don't fit the culture um, typically are unhappy there. 
How do you go about then making sure that when you bring new people on board, for example, that um, you know you tell the stories to highlight that culture so that they're you know, there's a selection, self-selection process almost of, yes, I think I'll be happy in this culture and then it, all other things um, being equal such as, you know, am I competent for the job and so on that, that um, you'll be able to join that company. But if it's a case of, no, I wouldn't be happy here, um, that those people self-select themselves out. We, um, we are uh, very deliberate about that now. We weren't. At the beginning, and at the very beginning, my uh, partner Scott actually started the firm years ago, and uh, you know this is pro probably ten years ago. And at that point in time, uh, anybody who wanted to work at Socialite Communications, come on down, <laughs> we'll work here, and you know, and uh, we'll pay you when uh, when we got some cash in the bank. And of course, that was that was him as a young man, and mm. you know, just starting entrepreneurship, and he had a whole bunch of friends that really liked the idea of marketing and all that kind of stuff, and. And what eventually happens is that we have a lot of we have a motley crew of uh, mm -hmm. of different value systems, belief systems, and you know they all have skill and talent. But it's tough to bind that together. Now, two years ago, we started this process of uh, deliberately engineering the H human resources culture, uh, it's a human resources uh, procurement process with the culture of the organization. At the center of that is values, and so now we had our people mark down. Uh, and rate, rank the values, not only come up with the value, but then rank the values on the highest order of priority based on what they saw was really working for them internally in their in themselves, in their team members, and probably also by comparison of who left the company recently. Hmm. And uh, we even use that ranking system. You know, we used to always give people second chances, third chances, fourth chances. You know, maybe it's us, maybe it's us, right? Yeah. And we recently had to let uh, a young man go. And it was because when we compared it and we we're ready to give him a third chance, but when we compared him to the values that uh, the team has now put together, he didn't fit hmm. and he was never going to fit. And so we made the hard decision to let him go. And it was probably this, the best thing for him Yep. And definitely a good thing for us. Now, the second part of that, to answer your question a little bit more directly, is that we're very deliberate about uh, the marketing we use for our marketing company. We have uh, three and a half people in marketing now for our marketing company. So we have Socialite Communications as the agency, but we've created a site called Merchant Mastery, which is all about our Shopify clients going there for education. So there's courses and modules you can buy, a variety of things. And so there's a lot of outbound uh, outbound marketing that's happening. And it's largely around storytelling in the sense of function, process, relationship type of issues, right? Uh, success stories, maybe the occasional, I wish I hadn't done that <laughs> story, those kind of things. But we're pro profiling success and such. And we're really trying to uh, get across this idea of what makes uh, a merchant, a Shopify merchant successful. And we've nailed it down into some Clear philosophy, for example, I wrote a blog post around this and it's just based on what we were seeing that you need three basic pillars in your organization in order to ensure your success. One is product market fit. The next one is product channel fit. So if, you, if your clients love your product and would die without it, you have product market fit. Uh, product channel fit is can you actually sell it online in our case because we weren't mm. Shopify merchants. So selling, you know, uh, 10 tons of concrete cross country through a Shopify store is going to be a tough business for you. So you may not have product channel fit. 
but uh, the third one is going to be all about uh, merchant market fit. So you have to be an absolute expert in your industry, in your product, in your customer, in order to infuse your uh, store and your products uh, with the proper momentum and direction to be relevant, not only today, but for tomorrow's uh, buyer as well. And without those three, that's the philosophy that we have now. And then we will spin all sorts of stories around that philosophy. And uh, we hire now people that uh, when we tell this at the universities of the world uh, in, our, in around the area, uh, we get a large part of our new uh, crew crop of interns and uh, new hires right from people that saw Scott or Ivana or one of us uh, speaking in class on these kinds of things. So now they get the idea, I want to work in a place like that. Hmm. Right, but it's about the stories we tell. Yeah, yeah. So how how can anyone um, you know take take that culture and uh, their own culture and break it down to that level of understanding and then craft some really powerful stories around that? Well, believe it or not, the book is going to tell you how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, read it's, not book. <laughs> yeah. it's not an expensive book. Yeah. It's not an expensive book either. Secret, but I'm going to yeah. tell you what that is. You know. Ultimately, you know, the this book is primarily targeted towards organizations that are have a great deal of flexibility in the way they maneuver, right? So I don't know if IBM could use this yeah. book. You know, maybe a division of IBM could, like one of the Skunk Works divisions or something like that. But those are, you know, the Pentagon. Could this be used at the Pentagon level? I, it's going to be more difficult, but you know, at, at smaller organizations, not for profits, things like that, uh, it's very, very applicable. But ultimately, it comes down to this: what is the value we are trying to create? So you have to answer that question. Hmm. Who are we trying to create that value for? That's the second question. Okay, and uh, and that may be two or one, one or two, depending on who you ask, right? But the third one is, what are the values we aspire to while creating the value we deliver? Hmm. And when you bring those three ideas together, of course, there's num numerous questions beyond that. When you get those three ideas together, you have something unique to yourself. Uh, because the way I think about anything uh, is going to be different than the way you do. We might have a lot of overlap. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's not a perfectly overlapped Venn diagram. That's the whole purpose of Venn diagram, mm. right? You know, we're trying to see where we differ and where we uh, come together on. And my, like I've studied sales and marketing for 40 years now. And uh, 40 years ago, when I was first starting out in the business, you know, I would have been very focused on the tactics of sales. Today, I'm much more focused on the strategy of sales when it comes to and sales and marketing together, two separate things. But especially when it comes to uh, understanding the customer's values, hmm. that's that's the key to everything. Everything I've got a great video I use for to show my um, clients, and it is about a uh, how a uh, a Tea Party conservative, and that's a, of course in the U.S. You know this is you know not hard right wing, but right of center for certain, or think Republican in the center of the Republican crowd. How a Tea Party conservative. Uh, uh, was convinced to support green energy initiatives. How do you do that? Hmm. How do you do that? And you know, and you can't do it through sales techniques. You got to yeah. the the way she did this. And you know, she pulls out her uh, purse. One side is a pink uh, little flap for her purse things. On the back is a pistol 
that is <laughs> embroidered into the back of a little pearl. <laughs> and she's a, she's a gun-toting uh, Republican. That's who she is. And so how do you convince the conservatives to support green initiatives? Well, you can't do it by saying, hey, wind power, wind power, okay, solar power, solar power. You got to go into something that is of common values. And the way she does it, her whole argument is positioned on the foundation of energy self-sufficiency. Mm. And at that point in time, everybody on that, you know, that side of the fence can get around the idea of, yeah, we need to be energy self-sufficient, mm. right? That is what we're doing here. And that is a whole different way to approach the sales process, the marketing process, even the culture process. Because uh, as we're looking at a map of uh, the U.S., for example, recently, and it's not 50 states. It's actually seven or eight regions of common culture. They have common shared belief systems, values, uh, you know, and, and the cultural uh, aspirations. So it's not about Arkansas or Texas or Colorado. It is about how you think. And when you align your your organization's value system and you embed that in your product and align it with your customer's value system and what they choose to consume, then you've got the basis of some longevity. Hmm. That's a, a really great example. It sort of prompted in my mind, though, the, the thought that um, you do need the ability to kind of chunk up to a higher level in a conversation like that. Um, particular, I mean, that example is a great one because there's, and, and, you know, there's probably other areas we could talk about as well, particularly related to the pandemic. But it's about, um, you know, there, there's, it's almost become a p political ideology um, and a divide of political ideologies around um, renewable energies. And if somebody then says, well, renewable energy is good because, and then the other side of that political divide says, no, no, renewable energy is always bad. Uh, so you do need the ability to kind of chunk up to that common belief area, right, which is, hey, we want to be able to stand on our own two, two feet. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to be independent. We want to be proud and uh, patriotic. And part of being proud and patriotic is being energy independent and and then telling a story in a way that, it overrides all that ideological difference when you get down to here's how we do it. Because now you're sharing common values that you'd always mm. believed in. Yeah. Right. And that, and that's the common bond that allows you to see, show, to see through a common lens. Beliefs, beliefs are not something you think with. They are, uh, they are not something you think about. They are something you think with it's mm. your lens and the core of belief systems are your values so until you get the common values uh you cannot possibly move forward any argument in a direction that is mutually beneficial for everybody uh in every every democratic country you will have uh, you know two two or more opposition parties hmm. and you put the same set of facts in front of them and they will come up with completely different meanings and it's because of the lenses that they're viewing that through which are the belief systems that are important to them and their constituents hmm. So do you have any tips um, for any of us that are looking to bring people along with us for an idea that might be a little bit out of the ordinary for, you know, taking that approach of let's chunk this up to a level that's actually common beliefs and then let's attach it permanently to this common belief or common goal or mission 
so that um, we can get people to follow the same path or to jump off the wagon if you know in the example of of your hiring for culture yeah i i think you've you know ultimately you have to embed the new belief systems uh into the culture which then embeds uh into and you can't embed anything into culture without embedding it into people's minds Hmm. you know because that's where culture resides and it's certainly not an overnight thing although it can be uh cults you know destructive cults mm. not the cult of apple i like the cult of apple yeah, yeah. but uh destructive cults you know they're very good at uh, looking for uh people that have the need uh, voids in their minds uh that need to be filled with some purpose and meaning and uh and direction and you know the thing with cults one of the things that um, uh has always fascinated me is they do not target the weak amongst the population uh, because they can't use the weak mm. You know, weak people are actually anchors to their organization. They actually have to, uh, uh, they target people that are able-bodied, able-minded, uh, hopefully have some assets, <laughs> you know, mm. and can work for the organization. But where they are impoverished, the targets, where they are impoverished, there's something is a void in their mind as to purpose and meaning and what am I doing here and those kind of things. And that's what the, the cult uh, allows uh, you, to, allows those kind of things to come alive uh, in their own minds, right? Mm. So if you used that kind of understanding to move anything forward, uh, you can see that you have to move the value system of the of the individuals forward first and show the gaps in those value systems. And then this other way will provide you with something to fill that void in that gap. One of the clearest examples of that, you know, perhaps uh, big time, Big time examples of that was the uh, abolition of slavery movements across the world mm. uh, from the uh, late uh, 1700s uh, all the way to the mid 1800s and such. And slavery still exists in the world. You know, you just may call it indentured servitude now, uh, but uh, not not shadow slavery, slavery like it was in that time. And this was a deliberate dismantling of the uh, of the belief systems that supported the slavery because you could you have to remember that you know slavery in those times had somebody may have been born into a system and i'm talking about you know just regular people not even the slaves where slavery is just an institution hmm. it's just part of the uh, fabric of what is it of course people had slaves of course you own people of course you know this is, and this is the relative positions of society and superiority inferiority all those kinds of things so in order to uh, for the abolitionists movement to take hold they had to dismantle the belief systems of the individual the average person's uh perspectives their mind their their belief system one belief uh pillar at a time a belief lumber piece at a time right and in until it all crumbled uh, together and there's a great story in the book uh, about a fellow fellow by the name of sam uh wilberforce was his last name right and uh, he was a staunch abolitionist from from a very early age and uh, this was just part of a variety of things that he used to uh, uh, to dismantle his um, dismantle the system. And he did, he didn't do it by himself, obviously. In fact, he used uh, not only culture but also stories. Right? Uh, they used the arts, for example. They had plays about it, and people wrote novels about it. Mm. You know, there were so many different things that happened at the same time. But ultimately, you're dismantling the belief systems and yeah. replacing it with something superior. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, you've highlighted something really 
important there, I think, which is that you know there's lots of lessons in history and and in reading outside of just marketing sales. If you want to learn about marketing sales or entrepreneurship, that can give us some really valuable lessons. Um, so yeah, I'll um, have to get the name of that book, and we'll link to that one as well. Okay, well, this is fabulous, Corey, and I, I could go on talking charismatic stories and charismatic leaders for ages, but I, I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's the same five questions I ask of every guest, and the idea is you'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. What do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? I think you have to be well-read. Uh, and uh there isn't uh there's and well read not just in your um your particular sphere mm. of knowledge but you know expose yourself to many 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 different things and uh inspiration comes from a lot of different places and the best inspiration for your industry comes from cross industry inspiration mm. you know and you can you can innovate on something that another industry is using yeah, that's um, great advice. I, I really like that. And, you know, we've, we've certainly in, in my career, both in the corporate world and afterwards, um, you know, implemented some really innovative things that came out of a totally different industry. It's just something we saw and oh, that, I wonder if that could work in our industry or parallel something. So that's great. Yeah. And the example you gave earlier about the um, story of uh, the abolition, abolitionist movement and how it basically changed beliefs is one great example of that. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Uh, this is going to sound a little strange. Maybe not. I, uh, my, some of my best ideas come as a result of not thinking. <laughs> yeah. So I meditate on a regular basis. And it's not the traditional meditation, you know, where I'm trying to zero out my mind completely. Mm. Right? But uh, one of the things I try and do every morning, not try and do, in fact, you know, 364 out of 365 days, uh, I will um, first thing in the morning, uh, close my eyes, put on a, put on my headset to get some uh, noise cancellation going and there's a meditation uh, music in the background and I will try and get into a bliss state. And it's simply just, it's, you're not thinking about anything. You know, you're not working on problems. You're not uh, uh, projecting into the future. You're not reliving the past. You are in a bliss state in this moment. And uh, it's gotten to the point where I am very reluctant to start my day uh, without doing that. Hmm. In fact, I did start my day. <laughs> I was up for a 5 a.m. Uh, 5 a.m. for a 6.15 podcast out of Sweden out of uh, a couple of days ago. And, and she canceled on me. <laughs> and she can't on that's 15 annoying. minutes notice yeah, on 15 annoying. minutes yeah. notice and i didn't get a chance to get into that bliss state you know in the morning because i i was just up and ready to go mm. and things like that and you know and one thing after another unraveled that day. <laughs> it was <laughs> i was i was waiting for something bigger to happen it's just a series of annoying things right yeah, yeah. but um, but start your day with something that is doesn't involve your mind going at 800 miles mm. an hour trying to figure things out and you would be you will be surprised at what comes to you and you will also be surprised at how you handle the day mm. yeah i love that i love you know I, I must try that i mean i i usually go for an early morning bike ride first thing in the morning and i think that that puts me same in thing. that bliss state yeah yeah, yeah same thing same mm. thing 
All right. Uh, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, to the point where I, I contribute to Wikipedia every every month. Uh, okay. It is, uh, it is, ab you know, and I, there's two things. So, you know, and Wikipedia is the number one resource. But if you come to my uh, condo right now, you will find uh, four Google speakers here as well. And I'm constantly asking Google questions. Uh, one of the things you'll, one of the things I found out myself, I think it's true most people, is that your level of knowledge is not nearly as complete as you think it is. Hmm. And, you know, there, there are intricacies and nuances and things that you hadn't even thought of uh, behind the definitions of uh, what you are common day things, right? So I'm always asking Google something. And Google's usually finding it on Wikipedia to start or something like that. <laughs> and I will usually do a little deep dive into Wikipedia just to figure it out. And, you know, and there's an example of, of a uh, technology trend, right? And most people don't need a Encyclopedia Britannica mm. uh, knowledge of any topic. Uh, my dad bought me the 1968 200th anniversary set <laughs> uh, when I was like six years old. <laughs> I couldn't read that. But, uh, you know, but most people, all you need is a Wikipedia level knowledge. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad that's around because it's uh, it's gotten me out of a couple of jams on a very quick basis. Hmm. All right. Oh, I, I certainly make a lot of use of Google and um particularly YouTube, but I must pay more attention to Wikipedia now. I certainly from time to time land on Wikipedia, but I, I wouldn't call myself a real active user of it. You can find anything on YouTube as well and, yeah. and have people actually show you how. Exactly. You know, yeah, that's, that's the that's amazing part about it. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's the best way to keep a, a client on track? Uh, it is about, there's two things. And when I don't do these, I get in trouble. When I do it, I get into less trouble. And uh, the very first thing is I lay out what we're going to do. And the best way to do that is in some kind of graphical form or schedule form, if it's a calendar, if it's a Gantt chart, something like that. And you show where everything lines up if it's an extended project. Uh, get, and never just rely on, uh, for example, um, a verbal confirmation of what the deliverables are write hmm. it down so the writing it down and uh giving them a graphic of some kind and sending it to them that's how you create the paper trail the second part of that is then uh regular updates hmm. of what happened and even if something didn't happen you tell them something didn't happen right and yeah. you're trying to make for, uh, progress on that so one of my clients i just got off a call with her and uh, she's brought her entire team to a weekly Wednesday afternoon meeting uh, with me, 30 minutes on Zoom. And uh, it's a fairly large project, but we are keeping everybody on track with that. It's just programmed into the cal calendars now. Mm, yeah, I love that. And that's one thing I, I certainly need to work a little bit more on, I think, is um, communicating when nothing's happened. Um, just yeah. going back and say, well, there's actually nothing to report this week, but I'm just connecting with you to find out whether we need to review anything that's that's there and um here's what's what we're planning for the next week or the next period before what, we what Jurgen, what i tell my young staff is that your clients will forgive you for a lot of things <laughs> what they won't forgive you for is not communicating with them hmm. yeah now, that's so, so over communicate that's great advice i love it Okay, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? You got to have a, a signature. There's a difference in brands are about meaning. 
So when you're talking about differentiation, you talk about brands. In this case, you talk about a personal brand. And uh, there's two types of differentiation. The first kind of differentiation is difference in degree. So uh, this, uh, the difference in degree would be things like this is 10, you know, in the terms of ice cream, this is frozen ice cream. This is room temperature ice cream. And that's a difference in degree. It's the same ice cream. Hmm. Um, but you know, that's all this is difference in degree. And you can take a look at that in gasoline as well. You can get leaded, premium unleaded, et cetera. The best differentiation is differentiation in kind. You are unique, uh, in your, in the way you provide that end state, that deliverable. Uh, the process is different. The function is different. Uh, the end state as a result is different. So there's a variety. One of the examples I use is uh, there's a lot of pizza places in town. However, in a suburb of Edmonton uh, called St. Albert, there is a place that actually imported their ovens from uh, Italy. Mm -hmm. And those ovens fire at a completely different temperature than uh, the local domestic ovens. It's a different, a whole different heat convection method. Therefore, because the process is differentiated in kind, the pizza is differentiated in kind. You can't make that pizza the same way these guys do, unless you get the same kind of ovens. Hmm. Then you have to compete with the recipe and all that, that kind of stuff. So you have to have a differentiation kind. My differentiation kind is one way or the other, if you're in my presence, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> yeah. You will not get away from me without me telling you a story. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, And, and of course, then with storytelling then it comes back again to the difference in degree so there's different types of stories <laughs> but uh, i think that's that's kind of probably a third um differentiator because the story if you tell the stories about the impact you're having in the world or the um the beliefs that are important to you the values that are important to you then that that's a core differentiator again isn't it Absolutely. You know, it, it is, uh, whatever, in whatever you do, one way or the other, your uh, personality is, uh, those are the fingerprints you leave behind on anything that you touch, you do, you accomplish, or, or you destroy. <laughs> you know, you can destroy it as well, yeah. right? But, uh, ultimately your values come through one way or the other. Uh, you cannot fake your way for too long with it. Mind you, if you're faking your way, that's one of your values. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, so, that's yeah. right. It's kind of what you said earlier, you know, if, if you haven't worked on your culture, you still have a culture. It's just perhaps not one you're um, really happy with. Mm. Yeah, it's not deliberately engineered. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Corian. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, get a hold of the book, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you shared today? So uh, I, I regularly get royalties from uh, Australia, believe it or not. Mm. <laughs> so it's on Amazon.com, Amazon.com.au, I suppose, and any Amazon, you can go to and grab the book. And it's not expensive. It's uh, $3.49 US mm. uh, because I, I just want the book to be read and it gotten out there. But if you come to my website, strategypeak.com, uh, if you come to there, uh, you can download a couple of free chapters, and there's even an infographic on the right-hand column that you can download, and uh, it tells you what the seven stories are and gives you some examples of what the seven stories are all about and such. Uh, but I'll tell you what I'll do, Jurgen, um, for the first five of your listeners that tell me they heard about the book on your show. I will send them a free Kindle copy of the book. Mm. That's very generous. Thank you. 
All right, so there you go. Um, reach out to Kurian, tell him you heard him on the Anovabuzz show, and if you're quick after we publish this, then um, you might get a free copy of the book. And it's certainly well worth reading and and studying. There's lots of lessons in there, and and you've heard a lot of examples that Kurian shared today. So, do you have any parting advice for our listener as we wrap it up today? In what context would you like me to? There's so much advice, and I got a story for each one. So, and we've only got a couple of minutes left. <laughs> but if, if we're going to talk about uh, entrepreneurs, or uh, you know, and my my favorite passion is uh, uh, young people getting into business for the first time, entrepreneurs, you know, and uh, they have so much grit and determination, but not necessarily a lot a lot of knowledge about mm. what it means, you know, to do that. Uh, and if I were to give advice to people that were starting their business for the first time. It's what I alluded to earlier. This isn't about your company. This is about you and your transformation. Your business, the one you're starting today, may or may not survive in the next five years. But I, you, as a direct result of the travails and the victories and 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 the all the hardship that you will go through and the near misses and the, the wins, all that kind of stuff, you will be transformed in the process. And that is the ultimate outcome. Uh, my two partners uh, are 20 years younger than me. I rely on their energy and their innovation and their absolute knowledge of the industry and things like that. And I bring a, a little bit of gray hair. I know I'm, I'm 20 years older than them, right? And so I'm in my late 50s right now. And, and I honestly believe that we have transformed each other. The three of us have. Hmm. I've learned from them. They've learned from me. And the only way, the only reason Socialite is up and running and, and the success it is right now is because we have been transformed together and created a structure there that will hopefully live for a long time, right? But that wouldn't have been possible if we had been rigid and say, this is what we're doing without no ability, without any ability to learn, adapt and innovate for, uh, for what we know is the business to become, not the business that we started. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a great message to leave with, and it's it's a lot about learning on the journey, but also and the transformation that happens on that journey, also enjoying it and embracing it. And the other important point that I'll highlight here, it's not just you, you talked about, you addressed sort of the young startup entrepreneurs, but you mentioned that you know, you've learned as much as your younger. Absolutely worker so it's 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 for all of us absolutely it, it, it's been very transformative for me as well you know and uh you're never too old to know that you are got a lot more to learn <laughs> exactly all right finally Korean, who else should i get on this show and why who else should you get on the show and why I'm going to have to think about that. Uh, okay. You know, I, I don't have anybody right off the bat for you, you know, but I, I will tell you, okay, I do have some for you. I, in fact, I'm going to send you a couple of names. And uh, the reason there's this whole, I, I was just on a podcast recently with a, a lady by the name of Jess Duell, D-E-W-E-L-L. Uh, and it's called the Bold Business Podcast. And uh, what I really enjoyed about her and I'm thinking that she could be a podcast guest for you, hmm. uh, is that what I enjoyed about her is that 
I've been on podcasts that simply, you know, ask the questions and, uh, you know, do the recording and we're done. Uh, but during that particular podcast, and there's been one other, there's another fellow as well out of, uh, out of Hawaii. And uh, those two made me, and you, you hear me use this word uh, quite a bit, come alive. In the course of that, uh, in the course of the podcast, and we had great conversations. And it's because they didn't talk about the question; they talked about the meaning behind the questions that they asked. And because it's about the meanings, the directions that you can go are are very, very different. So I'm going to get you uh, Jess's uh, contact information and uh, the fellow out of uh, out of uh, Hawaii as well. Tremendous, tremendous conversations that we had there. And ultimately, you know, when you're doing this kind of thing, Jurgen, this is as much about information transfer as it is about relationship creation. Mm, and absolutely. we're we're creating relation, right? We're we're we mm. are sharing values and belief systems, and we're deciding whether we like each other mm. and whether we jive together. But those kind of things can only occur when you get be beneath the surface of the question. Mm. And those are completely different things. And uh, not every uh, podcaster can can do that. You can certainly do that, and these other two can certainly do that. And I think uh, there's probably a conversation to be had there about what the purpose of these podcasts are, because mm. it's not about uh, you know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. What is the meaning for why you started, mm. and and why you continue? And it can't be about money. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think it's about money. It's got to be something of a deeper vision and mission. Great. All right. Well, we'll get an introduction to Jess from you and, and to the other chap you mentioned and listen in on their podcasts, first of all. That's that's always yeah. something I like to do. A <laughs> uh, little secret tip for those of you that want to get on uh, other people's podcasts or want to have them as guests on your podcasts, listen to their podcasts or, or their guest appearances and find out a little bit more about them. So that's part of that relationship building that you talked about. So thanks for that. And thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously with us today, Corey. And I've really enjoyed this. It's been fun. Uh, thanks for your generous offer of, of the book for the first five listeners that reach out to you and mention the show. And all the best and let's stay in touch. Jorgen, thank you very much for having me on. I hope you enjoyed that engaging and thoroughly insightful conversation with Kurian and took something away from his episode. I love Kurian's approach to entrepreneurship as a journey and a transformation and also the quote that culture is an always on operating system. So many fabulous stories, of course, in this episode. Now, I'd love to know what you took away from Kurian's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Kurian Thurican. That is K-U-R-I-A-N-T-H-A-R-A-K-A-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Kurian Thurican. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Kurian, as well as links to the Strategy Peak website, the book the seven essential stories that charismatic leaders tell to Kurian's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. 
Now, if you like this episode and if you got value from it, share that value with at least two other people that it might help. Tag me in on that share and I will reach out to you with a special thank you. Kurian suggested we have a conversation with Jess Duell of the Bold Business Podcast and with Jordan Mossman of the Leader Seeds Podcast on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Jess and Jordan, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Kurian Tharakan. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including a return appearance by Jonathan Callanan, strategic marketer, course and community builder, and Michael Delon of Positioning Experts. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.